If you're ready to learn how technology is driving business innovation in Cincinnati and beyond, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Join us for interviews and discussions with business leaders, innovators, and visionaries. With our host, Sam Schutte, CEO of Unstoppable Software, this is Unstoppable Talk. All right, so we are here with Brian Olton from Business Sense LLC. He's in Wisconsin joining me today. And Brian is an expert on all things industrial IoT and working with industrial manufacturers on their sales and marketing and product development. Brian, welcome to the show. Maybe you can start a little bit about telling us uh, about your organization and what you do. Sure. Thanks, Sam. It's good to be here. My, my company is Business Sense LLC. Uh, after uh, many, many years in the industrial automation space, I decided to form my own consultancy and help people with the type of things that I've been helping them with throughout my career. To describe that a little bit, I've been in a bunch of different roles at uh, places like Rockwell Automation, uh, uh, as their 26 years, um, Belden, which is uh, uh, industrial Hirschman switches and routers, and and uh, Garrett Com and Tofino and Tripwire cybersecurity products, and and ProSoft, which makes uh, industrial gateways. So a lot of high tech stuff in the industrial automation space. And I've held all kinds of different positions there from uh, some very technical roles to uh, training customers to uh, probably half of my career marketing, half of my career sales and uh, a ton of product strategy in, in, in looking at markets and seeing really how they change and how my company should respond. So uh, a while ago, I decided to start my own consultancy and uh, chase after those same types of activities and help people in my space deal with their challenges in uh, technology as it evolves in the market and how they can respond in a form of uh, aligning their sales force and their marketing group. Great. Awesome. So, and we met through a uh, mastermind group called Consulting Success that we're both in uh, out in Vancouver. Um, but you are actually in uh, Wisconsin, and right. I guess are you from there originally? And and did you go to school there? Or? No, you know what? I've been an Ohio boy my whole life, so I've lived in uh, in in parts of Cleveland and Cincinnati uh, for most of my life. And and mm-hmm. in fact, a job brought me up here a few years ago to Wisconsin. And uh, um, you know, my wife and I have uh, have kids, and uh, they're all grown, and uh, we love it in Wisconsin. So kind of been between both of those places for for our whole career and our whole life. Gotcha. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about some of the successes you've had that made you become a consultant. So, you know, all throughout my career, you know, mostly marketing and sales roles, uh, my companies kept tapping me to do initiatives for them. Hmm. And, uh, you know, at Rockwell, uh, I was asked to uh, put together the relationship with Cisco, a, a company 10 times bigger than Rockwell Automation, and uh, lead the group, form the teams and lead the group to to actually enter a new product business space, uh, bring product to market, work together on, on open standards, put together reference architectures so the customer base can, can follow along and figure out um, what what practices are already established and are going to work for them and and then obviously promote the thing globally. That was an initiative in an ad, in addition to my day job. And I, and I really enjoyed that. In another role, another company, 
I was asked to change the global sales force from selling components to selling entire automation solutions. Again, mm -hmm. high tech space, uh, and it influenced over a billion dollars worth of their business. And, and I would say, like for the past twelve years, uh, I've been in almost pure strategic roles where I've been asked to create a strategy and then go ahead and execute it. For sure, all of those things were initiatives, and they look very, very much like the type of things that my clients are asking me to do on a daily basis now. So, okay. uh, so the consulting thing was kind of calling me throughout all of these initiatives that I was I was performing. Okay, so for some of the listeners out there that aren't super familiar with Rockwell or some of what they do, can you talk a little bit about you know what are some of these devices that they market? You know, what are they for? What, what kind of devices are we talking about here when it comes to what they produce and what Cisco does with them so and so forth? Sure. So so Rockwell is a is a very broad based supplier in the automation space. They make uh, programmable automation controllers for industry. They're effectively the brains of a factory that's being automated where it reads or senses all of the equipment and, and the different states that the equipment and the product being produced are in. And then it, it makes they make decisions. The computing platform makes decisions and then really tells the equipment what to do. And so it's it's really factory automation at its best. It's pretty much everything except what people would think of as robot control. Hmm. Uh, there are other companies that do that. But in North America, Iraq was the largest automation supplier and it, it, that, that does this type of thing. And you can find them in all types of industry from you know automobile to food and pharma, chemical, uh, oil and gas, uh, you name it. So so they're a giant uh, with huge market share, and I was lucky enough to be there for a good long time and play in all those different roles and really you know walk through factories and processes around the world about uh, uh, around how people are building things, <laughs> kind of like that show how things are made. Yeah, I, I kind of have lived that. Yeah. Cool. And, and, and then you've talked a lot before with me about, you know, some of the demands on a network that all these devices can have and can create. Uh, and I guess that's some of the reason, uh, you know, why you're working with Cisco and such. And I, and I know that's one of the challenges of deploying all this is sort of making them all mesh on a corporate network, right? Right. In fact, uh, kind of cl a little closer to our topic today, um, you know, the, the industrial world has had smart devices helping control their factories and helping automate factories for a good long time. I mean, since the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to be able to move that information not only in and out of the local controllers that you see, but, but to other parts of your factory to coordinate and orchestrate that whole thing. And, and so communications is really important. And a few years back, uh, industrial Ethernet became the standard network in factory automation. And so at the time I was in a network role, and so I cut a deal with Cisco to help in that space. It was a great relationship because they were interested in learning more and moving more into the industrial space. And they primarily were in the business space. Hmm. And, and uh, so they wanted to learn more about industrial and how to do products in that space, create them to environmental standards and understand the needs of those users. And at the same time, Rockwell wanted to get into the business and have uh, have products in that space. And so the relationship worked worked really well both ways. Uh, for me personally, right, I, I 
you know, have been in the automation or the industrial space my whole career, but I got to learn a ton about the IT space from my friends at Cisco. So yeah. it was a really good learning experience for me. Well, and, and as you mentioned, you know, factory automation has been around for a, quite a long time since the eighties and such. So what's, what's the real difference, you know, if you were to define industrial I, IOT or IIOT versus sort of more traditional automation, you know, what's the big difference there? Oh, great question. You know, you read any type of, uh, any type of a magazine, any industry publication, everybody is talking about IIoT or IoT, right? In, in mm -hmm. Industrial Internet of Things. And uh, it's actually a, a, a crazy topic. There's a lot of hype and a lot of, I think, mystery surrounding that. Uh, when I talk with regular, normal, everyday customers, they go, yeah, I read about it, but I'm not sure I get it yet. But um, in reality, it's, it's actually the evolution of a number of technologies that really make new solutions possible today that, that weren't possible. I, sometimes I think about it as, as almost the perfect storm of technology. Mm -hmm. So, um, consider, right? There were smart devices for a good long time. There were networks to connect them, but they weren't big and thick and robust like Ethernet is today. And in fact, like 20 years ago, Ethernet wasn't, wasn't very powerful. It was slower. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't super reliable. It was just, it, it, was, it was a good network for business use, but it really wasn't appropriate for factory use. And then that technology evolved and it is the de facto standard that people are using today inside of factories and inside of processes. And so that's a second part of that perfect storm. And then, you know, people wanted to store a bunch of data, but like the memory in computers was crazy expensive. And so you add things like cloud computing, cloud storage, and suddenly, um, you know, compute, there's enough computer memory, there's enough storage, it's available in a practical fashion to people that they can get a bunch of data and they can put it places. And then, you know, and then you continue with adding technology, like being able to take that data and perform analytics on it, yeah. on huge big data, another term. Um, all of those types of, of technologies really coming together created the perfect storm that people have labeled IIoT. And, um, they're, you know, in addition to all the hype, there actually really is some, some awesome practical uses that, that make it a benefit to use it. Well, it's interesting. You're talking about volume of data and such. And, you know, I think a lot of sort of business, uh, developers or business technology folks who have a SQL server or whatever, you know, when they think of large amounts of data, they think of, okay, a database with a couple million rows in it, maybe, uh, you know, some of these industrial data systems can produce a couple million pieces of data every day, you know, I mean, or every week, you know, and just because if you're taking measurements on many, many devices throughout an entire factory, so it's really, at least in my experience, you know, just the volume of data is much, much larger. Um, you know, we have one customer that, you know, they've got 90 million pieces of data probably every month or so, every quarter maybe, uh, which is much more data than you usually see, which it's also kind of pushing the types of databases that need to be used, you know, and, and to me more like object storage and all these things. Um, so there's definitely been a lot of change there, I think, that are pushing the technology systems too to kind of, Maybe not to their limit, but, you know, stretching things a bit. Well, that's right. And I think the secret, Sam, is being able to do something with that data because 
I know for years there was a large consumer-based product company that would store tons of data and they'd keep buying more and more memory. Yeah. And it was really expensive and they had no reason, they had no idea of what they were storing or why they were storing it. Well, today you can you can use analytics on that data and you can look for patterns and find business insights that you couldn't find in the past. Yeah, because I think there's this default uh, view that if you don't know what you're going to do with your data, just store everything, right? Just go ahead and store everything and take up as much space as possible. Let's take a quick break. We've talked a lot about the industrial Internet of Things on this episode, but what is it and how does it work? Welcome to the Geek Out. Before you can understand what the industrial Internet of Things is, you have to understand the Internet of Things, or IoT. IoT refers to devices other than computers, phones, or other devices that are connected to the Internet. A lot of times this is non-traditional devices, such as appliances and so forth. This has been a very rapid growth market. There were around 10 billion IoT devices in 2018, and it's expected that there will be more than 64 billion IoT devices worldwide by 2025. And some think as many as 200 billion devices. How big will this market be? There's a lot of different estimates, and you have to take some of them with a grain of salt. In 2019, the IoT market is worth around $1.7 trillion and the North American IoT market is projected to be worth around $500 billion in 2022. By 2025, some people think the market will be adding as much as $11 trillion in economic value. Regardless of what the real numbers are, there's a huge opportunity for growth. Most projects in the IoT space are driven by the opportunity to reduce costs in the enterprise. The industrial Internet of Things is a subset of IoT. IoT is typically more consumer level, and there's typically much more at stake with IIoT, or industrial-based projects. IIoT refers to the application of connected devices and sensors to machinery and transport energy in industrial sectors. The industrial Internet of Things market is predicted to hit around $124 billion in 2021, and some people think over $14 trillion by 2030. The top drivers for IoT are usually operational efficiency, reduction in downtime, and new business opportunities, among other things. And the U.S. is a leader in deploying these solutions at scale. Some common applications of industrial internet are predictive maintenance, monitoring goods and tracking assets, automating logistics, monitoring energy use, and monitoring employee health and productivity. Some of the challenges to projects such as this is that whereas many IoT devices are somewhat disposable, iIoT devices can be much longer lasting, such as heavy machinery, and so updates are needed, improvements, patches, and repairs. They're not disposable in the same way. Data storage and accessibility of the many points of data streaming off of these systems is a problem, and you need to have a real plan to feed it to analysis engines and make the decisions coming out of these engines actionable. There are a multitude of different vendors and platforms for physical and software layers that all have to interact to be successful. There's security concerns since a lot of companies aren't comfortable with automatic patching yet, which leaves vulnerabilities open. And finally, there's a lack of standards for designed data structures as well as proprietary technologies that lock you down to one device vendor. All of that is to say there are a lot of opportunities, but it's not necessarily a clear path how to move forward on every project. With the huge opportunity for growth, cost savings, and new product ventures that is being driven by the industrial Internet of Things, it's a technology set that just about every manufacturer should be checking out. So you mentioned 
a little bit about some of the hype around IoT and and such that we see out there because since it's something that so many people are trying to get into, folks are still trying to figure out the the real reasonable use cases. You know, what what are some of the ridiculous kind of claims you, you talk about ridiculous claims in some of your uh, uh, marketing materials? What are some of those? And then what's what are the real true use cases out there that people are having success with? Yeah, good question. You know, the ridiculous claims, I think, uh, come twofold, right? One is, I think everybody out there that's got a product or a service, they just kind of slap a label on it and say it's IIoT enabled. And and, and that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, there's mm-hmm. people who are making wire ties and, <laughs> you know, they'll slap a label on it and go IIoT enabled. And, you know, okay, that's a stretch because uh, there's no electronics in those wire ties. Yeah. You know, there might be a, a barcode or QR code on the box and somebody's system is keeping track of that and doing something cool with it. But but those kind of claims are, you know, a little over the top and they're really not going to benefit anybody. Um, it was like when people had cable TV or they had uh, stuff that was quote unquote cable ready kind of feels the same way. Yeah, right? the same with AI too, for that matter, you know. Well, right. And and I think the other is is, you know, there are a number of applications that people are choosing to pursue in the market right now. Like they're ready, they're good, they're they're going to provide huge business, uh, huge business value for for the customer. But there are a number of things that are being talked about that are that are literally, you know, take any technology, throw it at the wall, see if it sticks, call it IIoT. And when people are looking for a practical application, it's it's just really tough to see it. You know, there's like simpler ways to solve that application that are just as effective, if not more so. Gotcha. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of people are asking, uh, or or what a lot of uh, folks in the market are talking about is, you know, what are you doing about IIoT? Um, And I know you say that's kind of the wrong question to ask. Right. And so IIoT, if you think of it as a combination of technologies, it can really help you out. The real question to ask is help you out with what? Yeah. And so you, what companies really need to do is ask themselves, what are the real business challenges or goals that we have for our company? Whether it's, whether it's a, a new strategy to beat the competition or it's a, how to, how to address, you know, the, the challenge of the changing workforce, whether it's your own workforce and, and a bunch of domain experts retiring or whether it's a, uh, whether it's your customers having significant changes in their workforce because, you know, there's fewer of them, they've been leaned out, they've been, you know, their physical location is somewhere else now, whatever. The real question is, what are your business challenges or goals and how might you use the IIoT technologies, the things that are sitting under that umbrella to solve your problem? Um, one thing I'd, I'd comment on is that uh, a lot of times it is very much worthwhile to sit to, to to revisit some of the things that you thought were out of reach for your business, out of reach for your company, out of reach for technology. To go back and revisit those things and to see if they can't be uh, they can't be solved with the technologies today, because the technologies that have have evolved really are solving some amazing amazing things. Um, so, so one of the things that I've you know, talk to a number of people about is they said, you know, think about the times where you're sitting there eating lunch with a coworker and you're, you're ranting or complaining about the way things should be. 
and and you're literally using those words. Well, if we could only, or the way things should be, are blah blah blah, because a lot of those things are are actually solvable today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's I mean, that's the key thing with all these technologies, with you know, with cloud databases and all the devices and kind of all these things we're putting in the mix. You know, it's not a matter of just gathering data and, and viewing a report. I mean, that's kind of the very like most simplest possible thing of, oh, I just want to pull up a PDF and look at a big pile of data every so often. You know, people are doing stuff like escalating alerts to management, automated shutdowns happening. I think I've even read some stories about, you know, based on data, uh, certain tools or parts being replaced sort of automatically by the, you know, systems at the factory, right? So if it detects there's a problem, it just swaps it out. Right. Exactly. And certainly we see that around IoT at like data centers, right? And the hard drives and the problems like that, right? Right. Because that's a whole other little sector of IoT. Right. Right. I, I mean, I'll give you a couple. Um, and by the way, you asked a question previously. You said, give me examples of hype and then give me examples of good ones. Mm-hmm. So let's put this in the good one. Yeah. Good, good one category. I mean, so. If you think about machine builders, they build a machine and they deliver to many, many different customers. Uh, a company that puts bottle caps on bottles delivers to all of the soda makers, all the beer makers, et cetera, in the world. Um, they really don't want to get on airplanes to go service their machines, nor do they really want to have a service force that's located all over the place. But their customers want really, really fast, really good support. So... Today, what we see machine builders doing is keeping a pool of experts at their home base and then using video, uh, using remote communications to to help the customer out to do the job. And, and that can be everything from predictive maintenance, where they're literally monitoring key performance indicators, key sensors on a machine, and watching for them to begin to stray, mm-hmm. doing statistical process control, if you would, on the machine from a bazillion miles away. And, and literally giving their customer, the end customer a call saying, Hey, shut the machine down or, Hey, listen, uh, we know you shut down once a day. Uh, this time when you shut down, go do this kind of maintenance. It's, it's time and we don't want your machine to shut down. Uh, it's a savings for the, for everybody involved. We also see those same machine builders, right? Being, being able to automatically do like raw material replenishment that the machine needs. We also see them helping to troubleshoot using video. Use just live streaming video for machines that are like mechanical in nature, that are, you know, all kinds of arms and legs and moving around. Uh, sometimes the best way to diagnose that is to actually see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But maybe you can see it from yourself from, you know, many, many miles away instead of the delay of travel and the, and the added expense of travel. So, I mean, that's practical application today. Yeah. There's a ton of people that are doing it, and uh, but there's still you know, probably uh, 10 times that many uh, uh, people who have that all at their fingertips, but, but have not taken advantage of it. And there's a great opportunity there for everybody involved. Well, and, and obviously ultimately it all boils down to cost savings and better customer experience. And, but it, you know, it's interesting if you look at like an older model or more traditional model for something, say like elevator maintenance, I've, I've done a lot of work with elevator clients in the past, uh, building yeah. software s- systems for them. And, you know, the traditional approach to something, you know, elevator maintenance is you have a one-year test and a five-year test, you know, and for your one-year test, you just come and you work through your 60 items or 50 items on the list and you do it every year and it costs the same amount. 
And then your five-year test is a bigger test and you actually drop the elevator, you, you know, make sure it's brakes can catch it and do all kind of really heavy stuff, right? right? Well, what if the brakes are failing three years in? Well, you're not going to test them until five years, right? Yeah. Um, who, know, who knows that those are the right durations, right? Yeah. Somebody just, it's, somebody tried to engineer that and they got a big, huge safety margin. Yeah. Who knows? Well, exactly. And, and plus, I mean, and, and, you know, my, one of my clients in this space and really all of the major elevator manufacturers, I mean, they're rolling out all kinds of, uh, predictive maintenance solutions on all their, uh, machines right now, tailoring that sort of list of maintenance that needs to be done. So not just on the sort of negative side, like, oh, something might go wrong, but also like, why are you coming in and fixing a bunch of stuff and checking a bunch of stuff when there's nothing wrong with it? And, you know, your, right. your folks are there for four hours doing their their inspections when really maybe there's only two things that need to be oiled or fixed and that's it. And you should just, you know, kind of move on. And obviously if you can charge the customer the same amount, then you make more profit. Or if you can lower your price because you're doing less work, then the customer's happier because you've got some advanced technology sort of reducing your, your sort of impact to them. Right. That's right. So, I mean, but all that requires, you know, just that simple use case there, it really requires a ton of technology to make it really happen. Right, right. You know, Sam, I'm seeing another trend as well, and it's it's really com people who are combining plant floor data with data from the outside. So uh, recently uh, I was involved with a, a, somebody who sells fuel oil to customers, right? They have fuel tanks, fuel oil tanks out in the country, in uh, you know, in all the different locations, and they, the 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 customer who has the fuel tank, right? Number one, they kind of need to be able to check the fuel level so that they never run out. And then, if you think about what they would normally do, they they go online and they'd start, you know, shopping and going who has the lowest fuel oil price and who can deliver it in, in a time frame that's convenient for me. I don't want to run out of fuel oil. Uh, you know, in mm -hmm. Wisconsin, man, it really gets cold. So <laughs> never, never run out of fuel oil. It would be bad. Well, actually, uh, today, you know, using IIoT technologies, uh, you can tie together the data that tells you that the fuel oil level is at a certain level and it's going to need to, it's the, the rate that it's been being consumed is a certain rate. And so you can figure out, hey, I got a week before, you know, I'm going to run out and uh, literally combine that with online data say from five or six different fuel oil service companies, you could check the price and check the availability of their service online automatically, like not a human doing this, but IIoT technologies going looking for the best price that can deliver within the next five days and then making that happen. Mm -hmm. So dissimilar data sets coming together to solve applications and really not just handle the, the traditional diagnostics and maintenance that, that people do inside of factories, but tying that together really with the ultimately with the business on the outside and the customer base to benefit them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, because, you know, there are a lot of those processes that people might do manually right now. For instance, there's a there's a company in northern Kentucky here that they they can either they make uh, limestone or they make, I guess, lime, actually. And they can either use coal or natural gas to do so. And so they just literally every morning check both prices and decide what to burn, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that kind of works. But, but when you're burning just as the huge volumes that they are, if you could put some intelligence to that or, you know, really look at trend data a little more accurately, say if it saved you 5% of your cost, 
I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, when you're burning, yeah. you know, 8 million MBTUs of natural gas a year or something, right? Um, yeah, it's real money, right? Yeah. It's real money. It pays for itself so, very quickly, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, all these things are very doable today. Um, you know, there are things people are, are, are asking for if they, if they think of the pure technology of, you know, uh, artificial intelligence or um, uh, machine learning, uh, you know, those technologies are also being talked about and uh, in fact demonstrated in some places. Are they possible? Yeah, but but they may not be exactly ready for prime time for mm. everyone's application yet. And so, you know, part of this whole IIoT thing is to cut through the hype and, and sort the hype out from what's really doable today. Yeah, I saw a demonstration at a conference I was at in March um, of, it was a Microsoft HoloLens that this uh, refinery, petroleum refinery, is, has deployed them out into the field in, in a sort of a testing manner. I think, you know, this sort of augmented reality for things like mechanics and repair personnel is, is I don't know if anybody's doing it massive production yet, um, but these folks who, they have an, they go and repair refineries, right? And right. so they had a demonstration of a, a worker, you know, wearing one, looking at a valve, and it would pop up and say, oh, that's a XYZ valve, you know, and you need to make sure that you don't tighten it any tighter than, you know, so many foot pounds or whatever the measurement is, uh, right. you know, and then they actually had using uh, whatever the, I don't remember what Microsoft calls it, but Microsoft video conferencing technology stuff in there. And they were able to pull up like a remote assistant into their view who could show them, you know, like, oh, actually, blah, 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 you need to replace this part. So part of that, or I guess the IoT part of that, because some of that's augmented reality, some of that's video streaming. The IoT part of that is forming, folding in the data that that valve might be able to tell you uh, in real time trying to guide that person's decisions, you know? Um, right. So if you could, if you could pull up a, a trend or a prediction that, look, you know, this thing we've noticed its temperature is spiking irregularly. Uh, he might be more careful when he turns it, you know, uh, no doubt. turns that, no doubt. that valve. So stuff like that. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I guess one of the comments I'd have is, you know, for people listening to the podcast, you know, I, I guess I, I think you and I share the same opinion that, you know, there's, there's things that people can do today that, in fact, there's like business pressures that are the business pressures are really driving, uh, driving the point, right? If none of these technologies were available, um, you know, there'd still be superhuman challenges in the marketplace. I, you know, there are more baby boomers retiring now than, than ever. There's, I think 20, 20% of them have retired. Mm -hmm. And in another, there's 10,000 that are retiring every single day. And uh, by 2022 or 2023, uh, only 60% will have retired, but that's like a huge number. Okay. That's a huge number. And so it's all of these people with all this, this expertise and, and really, you know, the last way of, of, of performing processes and procedures in a, in a manufacturing world, they're leaving the workforce and, and that's created a, a heck of a challenge. Hmm. And, you know, I think back a couple of years before that and, and, you know, a lot of the publicly held companies, a lot of the other companies, they super, they went super lean, which, uh, you know, one of the ramifications there is there's like no duplication of jobs. There's kind of really no backup for people. And yeah. yeah. And then when the economy gets a little south, 
what ends up happening is, you know, you some people are exited and, and, and the people that are left are asked to do, you know, do your job and do this other person's job too. And so, so, you know, the workforce is super thin mm-hmm. and I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, you can just, you can hire a boatload of people and I'm sure hope that businesses are doing that. But at the same time, they need to get trained. They need to uh, gain some expertise. And I sure hope that the next generation, which is primarily millennials, I sure hope that they're also looking at newer and better ways to get the job done. And I think the, these technologies that have evolved at, at this time are, are coming on at the right time and are going to be a real help for that. I think without it, I think there'd be a, you know, huge challenges and huge problems. And, you know, I don't think this necessarily makes them all go away, but I've never, you know, of all the technologies I've seen evolve over, you know, 30 plus years in the space, um, this is a real unique time. It's a really, really unique time. And and I, I think that these technologies are coming on at the right time. So I think, you know, businesses really do need to take advantage of, of these technologies correctly. And I think they can not only solve a lot of problems, but gain some serious competitive advantages. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I heard um, Governor Ohio Governor Mike DeWine speak at our local Rotary Club meeting last Thursday. He came in and spoke, and he said, you know, the the – the thing that all of the employers he meets and talks with all over the state is, you know, I, I need to find the people. And, you know, people, companies or manufacturers wanting to move here from other states or from abroad even, you know, do you have the people here? Are they trained? Where can I find them? What cities are they in? I mean, that's what he's asked. The only question. And nothing else, you know, is as important. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know. Do you think that, because if you look around, you know, say 10 years from now, probably all of the baby boomers will be out of the job force you know, even right. the t- right. tail end of that generation, you know, is it possible that by leveraging some of these technologies like IoT, AI, other automation technologies, that we can maintain the sort of same quality of work and output, not just with fewer staff like lean and stuff pushes you in that direction, but also just with staff that aren't as experts or aren't as much of a, you know, aren't trained as much to the degree because, you know, they've got their computer brain helping them spot problems that they otherwise would have, you know, had to be master mechanics to, to sort of uh, detect. Is that sort of the future it enables some, or is that is that too much uh, hype? No, I think it's real. I think, <laughs> uh, I think it's real. I mean, yeah. if you think about, you know, I, I was, you know, pretty close to the first wave of automation in factories. And, uh, you know, I, I, in fact, I saw the China market, evolve and take on automation. And it was very interesting because uh, they needed to produce the quality that would be recognized by the West, by, you know, other other nations mm-hmm. as being super high quality to build things like cars, right? So a human could not weld the car. They needed a robot to weld the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, a human couldn't, you know, perfectly align this piece and that piece and, you know, be able to roll a marble down the seam and the hood of the car, blah, 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 uh, to gain that, that type of quality. So they needed automation for that. But the workforce was, you know, very inexpensive. And so they literally would get a bunch of workers to move the car's chassis from one station to the next manually. They would literally put poles underneath, lift the thing up and move it to the next station, put it back down again. 
But then the next station was a highly automated robot doing something that had to had to perform something a human really couldn't couldn't properly perform. Um, you know, I think fast forward to today and to the future, uh, I think there's going to be plenty of of awesome jobs in the trades, and I think there's going to be plenty of awesome jobs in in automation and in in the high tech space. And you know, but I'd see the technologies being used differently. And, and those jobs being really, really different from what they are today. Hmm. Same thing's going to happen. It's history repeating itself. It's just in a different way. Well, and there's, it's funny because there's that prediction. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I believe it was one of the founders of Netscape or something like that back way back when said that, you know, uh, software will eat the world and every company will be a software company eventually. And it's, I don't think we're there completely yet, but it'll be interesting when, you know, uh, manufacturers, what really makes them and differentiates them is based on their software and not necessarily the product they make, right? If we're moving yeah. more towards that space or not necessarily the talent they have, maybe, you know, the workers they have, but just the systems they have in place to sort of, you know, do things better. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You know, I used to be a software product manager at Rockwell. Mm -hmm. And so I've stood on a number of desks and shouted that from <laughs> the top of my lungs a number of times. You know, in the reality, in reality, right? You might think you're paying for hardware, or you you might think you're paying for software, or you might think you're paying for services. But in reality, the value is having a solution. Yeah. So I think the expectation here is that some of this IIoT stuff will really transform a company. Can you give me an example of what you've seen out there? Sure, Sam. Actually, I'll give you an old school example, um, but it's okay. it's striking. You know, long ago and far away, um, we had, we had, you know, places like UPS and FedEx and the U.S. Postal Service, and they would try and get you your package as quick as they could. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you didn't get your package when you expected it, you'd call them up and they'd go, Oh, give me your number. We'll put a tracer out on it. Oh, yeah. And that meant that they'd go and they'd look at paperwork and records and stuff like that. And they'd maybe call you back a day or two later. And if your package hadn't made it to you by then, then they could kind of sort of tell you where it was and kind of sort of tell you when it was going to get there. Right. But fast forward to today and they all have online apps and the trucks have, you know, GPSs on them. And literally you just go, when's, where's the package? And they go, it's coming down your street and your, your, you know, your doorbell is going to ring in three, two, mm -hmm. one. I mean, amazing, amazing technology that transformed that business and increased the reliability and the, the uh, you know, the confidence that customers had on that. Well, that absolutely was transformative for that industry. And whoever got into that first, did it first, gained some amazing advantages over their competitors and over alternative ways of, you know, getting stuff from point A to point B. Those same kinds of transformative things can happen for many, many of the businesses that are out there looking at IAOT. You know, it really is just a matter of thinking through your own business challenges and your business pressures, thinking about what's going on and going, you know, what have we discussed already that would change everything because it might be possible today. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting one too, because I mean, that's something that's very much about the customer experience, right? I mean, I, I suppose probably internally, uh, UPS or FedEx or any of those folks or uh, even the air, the airlines all sort of have that now with your baggage, you know, where it, it'll show you in your app what airport it's at and it's unloaded and such. 
Yep. I mean, I guess they benefit internally from some of that, um, but but a lot of it is customer facing data and to you know have a feature that others don't. Um, what have you seen? Because I know a lot. Some of the work you do is help folks designing products as well, and 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 really kind of coming up with what features the market's demanding their products have. So features that aren't really guiding their internal manufacturing, but it's stuff that just customers want to see. Um, is that, how do you kind of approach those sorts of uh, problems? What questions do you ask, I guess, to figure out what's needed? Wow. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, people coin the phrase voice of the customer. It's a, I don't know if it's 10 years old or 15 years old or whatever, but, um, but really uh, being able to gain an insight around exactly what customers are trying to do and exactly what experience they want to have. Um, that's really the key. Uh, there's no IIoT technology to automate that. That's actually just a, a really good business behavior that humans need to do. Uh, I, I will tell you that today, uh, I work with a whole lot of people's marketing and sales forces, all of their customer facing resources. And they say that the customer base has changed. The people have changed. They want to shop differently. They want to buy differently. And a whole lot of businesses in the space that I work in have not, have not changed and aligned to, to support that. But it's really, really good voice of the customer. Uh, marketing people that do websites would call it customer journey mapping or user journey mapping. Yeah. Uh, but the, but the reality is that's, that's just a technique to say, let's very closely understand what people need and people want. And then, and then match it as, as best as possible. The technology comes in when, uh, it's a way more, you have way more flexibility in, in, uh, presenting that solution to the customer. Yeah, exactly. And that's a good segue a little bit into something we've been working on. Uh, Brian and I've been working on developing a, a workshop that we're going to offer. And the real, one of the real goals of that workshop is to, uh, help business owners and operational managers and IT people at uh, these types of companies come up with those solutions and really design those solutions. Um, so, so Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about that workshop and what we've kind of the schedule we've been putting together and, and what folks are going to get out of it? So, so, you know, one of the things that, that Sam and I did when we sat down is we asked ourselves, what things do we, do we really know is true? What things are we seeing and what things do we know is true? And, and what we saw was that, you know, most of our uh, business associates, people we work with, customers, et cetera, um, th there's a, a huge trend. There's, a, there's just a lot of confusion. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people who are reading all kinds of, again, the hype and, and real reality, and they're really struggling to sort it out. And in fact, uh, the typical example is, as I hear over and over again, uh, the boss reads a couple of articles about IIoT and how amazing everything is supposed to be, and they pass it on to one of their one of their direct reports, and they hmm. say, "Here, it's yours. You figure it out." Yeah. Okay. And and I and and those people are coming to us, and they're saying, "I'm supposed to do something with IIoT. I, I don't really have time to." fool around and do some like something that's meaningless i really it really needs to have impact but I, I really can't sort it out and so that was actually the the genesis of why sam and i sat down and said hey we should do something together you know sam's got an awesome software company that can can it does work in all of these spaces today right and and i've been doing a strategy around these technologies and around 
you know, the manufacturing space for, for a good many years. And uh, so our skill sets are complementary. We, we both saw the same things. And we said, we got to help people sort this out. So what we, what we decided to do is make this thing an interactive workshop. It's a time where you can get away from uh, some of your coworkers and all of the politics and all the noise and the, some of the crazy requests that actually are, you know, coming from inside your own company and sit down and, and really sort through the what's hype and what's real and think about your own company's biggest challenges, the biggest levers that would affect your business and make it, make it better, more competitive, put it on a better path to grow, et cetera. And, and determine, you know, whether or not specific IIoT technologies can be used to address the biggest threats that you have or the best opportunities. Um, we're going to make it interactive. So you're really thinking about and working on your own company's challenges and uh, opportunities. But um, we're going to make it a little bit Switzerland. So we're going to uh, really ask people to to share a little bit and and give the opportunity for others to you know gain insights from what you you come and you can share as well. So you'll gain insights from other leaders that are at the workshop. What I think will be unique too about it is you know going from developing your kind of boilerplate strategy to figuring out you know the hardware and devices and network infrastructure you need. I mean, and this would be the kind of end result of it, right? And then figuring out what are we going to do with all that data? How can we guide other systems and integrate with other systems based on those data and really look at it, you know, from that business solution standpoint and not just, Hey, there's this, you know, let's just go throw something out there that generates millions of lines of data that we're not sure we're going to do with. Right. That's exactly it. And, you know, a couple of things that, that we know for sure is that, um, you know, there are some super practical, very doable steps that you can take right now in order to take yourself down the road, get yourself closer to executing a breakthrough strategy that's really going to help your company. They're not hard and they're not, they're not expensive. So, um, literally many of these things, you know, obviously start with what are your business challenges? What are the, what are the business opportunities and really getting you to, to focus in and, and think about those things. But in terms of like execution, a lot of times it's like, Okay, well, let's figure out if that data is available in your factory somewhere. And if not, is there, are there a couple sensors or a couple yeah. of devices you need to change out? Right. Or, or, Hey, do you have the networks put together in your factory the way they're supposed to be so that they can get the data from point A to point B? Um, it's, it's none of that stuff is like super rocket science. And it's, these are things that are, you know, very doable that Sam's company can help you out with. Uh, you know, pretty much it's getting the direction and the strategy in place is, is harder than I think than executing a lot of this. I don't yeah. know. Would you agree since I'm, I'm speaking for you and you're the one that does a lot of the executing? No, I mean, I think a lot of the times, you know, what the, the problems that people want to solve can be done. Uh, they're probably easier than they think they are. Right. Um, yeah. but they just don't even know how to approach it. And, and of course, there's some, some things folks want to do that it's like, oh, that's going to be tricky and expensive, right? But it's probably 80-20 rule. And it's just a matter of asking the right questions so that it's successful and not just jumping into it without a plan. I mean, that's, that's the real key. I mean, that's ultimately what experts and consultants get paid for is to ask the right questions, right? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so we, we're working on developing this. We 
have a sign-up link out there for folks that are interested, which is just unstoppablesoftware.com slash IoT workshop. And I'll put the link for that in the show notes for this. And we'll kind of be releasing more information about that uh, a little bit later here in the summer because it'll probably be happening uh, in more than the fall time frame. So folks can sign up there if they want to learn more about it. And you know what? I mean, if, if, if we got all of our wishes, I think what you'd walk out of there with would be some real insights on things that you can do to make a big difference and to use these technologies. And, and uh, I think the right words and the right information to go talk to others in your company and get them on board and excited about uh, what you're interested in doing. So maybe, Brian, where we can close is, is what are your top pieces of advice for people who are trying to sort all this IIoT stuff out? Uh, Sam, you know what? It's what we discussed at the very beginning. Number one, there really is opportunity and, and you need to be able to take advantage of that opportunity correctly else your business will be left in the dust and there'll be competitors that will implement something and, and really, really, you know, leave you holding the bag. So you got to do something. The second piece of advice is you really do need to get informed and, and really sort out the difference between what's, what's real and what's not what's doable and what's not. And there's so much noise in the market. I think you really should, you know, come to our workshop. I think we'll tell you, we'll give you the straight story on what works and what doesn't, what's ready and for prime time and what's not. Mm-hmm. But um, you really need to sort that through. And, you know, I think with, uh, you know, everybody having limited resources, limited time, right? You can't shoot too many blanks here. So you're going to need to make what you do in the area of IIoT really, really count and be effective. And so I would say, you know, dream big, make sure that you're prepared to act and to do something. And I would say, you know, sort it through, get, get, get educated and well-informed, uh, not on all the whiz bang technology, but really if, if nothing else, revisit your business and your business's goals and your hopes and dreams and your aspirations and the way that the world should be. If you, you had perfection and, and then start comparing that to the technologies available to you today to see if you can't get pretty darn close. Nice. I like that. Dream big. So, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast today, though. It, it was great to have you to talk about all this with you. Thank you. You know, I hope sometime we can come on a podcast again here and, and talk a little bit more about new things we're seeing in this space, you know, maybe six months from now. And because it, it's a fast moving market is one thing that we know for sure. Um, so maybe sometime we can have you on again. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure talking with you today, and it's a pleasure working with you. Thank you. Looking forward to more. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Talk. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, be sure to support the show by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And learn more about this show by heading over to unstoppablesoftware.com. Until next time, keep innovating.